This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Here we go. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Travel day for Bob Weeks, who is on his way to TPC Sawgrass for the Players' Championship. As always, it's known as the fifth major on the PGA Tour's calendar, the unofficial fifth major, if you will. Bob is traveling down, and he'll be a part of our Golf Talk Canada doubleheader, which is on Wednesday, because, of course, Wednesday every... Uh, Wednesday, 10 a.m., TSN 1050. We are live with a preview of that week's PGA tournament. Of course, this week, Players' Championship. So Bob will be a part of that. And as well, our television special, which Bob and Mark are shooting together uh, on location at TPC Sawgrass. I believe by the 16th hole, the par 5. One of the great par 5s on the closing stretch there at TPC Sawgrass. Mark will join us at the bottom here of our one but a very busy show today we'll be joined by sean foley yes the same guy who used to coach tiger woods back in the day got him back to world number one back in 2013 sean has come out with a new swing uh gadget if you will uh, called the pro sender which many players on the pga tour have been using we'll also be joined by TJ Rule from Golf Away tours our good friend of the show to discuss travel and much more because if you want to Get set for your bucket list trip of a lifetime. You better start planning because things are getting booked up quickly. And that is a great thing. But first, now joining us on the phone is a new contributor here for us on Golf Talk Canada. Her name is Kristen Murphy. Maybe you've seen her on social media with daily videos on Instagram and Twitter talking about the PGA Tour events uh, going on. LPGA The Works. Kristen now joins us on the phone. Murph, how are you this morning? I'm fantastic, Adam. How are you? Oh, we are great, thank you. So, uh, Kristen is one who puts together a lot of the highlights that you see uh, for the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour on SportsCenter. And we'll get into that in a little bit because people who tune into this show, they want to know, you know, how does that process all work? How does that all go together. But first, Murph, there was a big event this past week at Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We saw some bizarre shots. We saw some some great shots. We saw some clutch shots. We saw some chunks. We saw the works. Overall, what was your perspective on what you saw Sunday at the Arnold Palmer Invitational? Well, I think we saw most of those things you just listed from Jordan Spieth alone. It was a roller coaster yesterday. And starting with Spieth, he was really what drew me in right off the bat because he was doing speed type things. He goes four under through his first five holes, including that epic hole out for birdie on the fifth. And you're looking, thinking this could be Spieth's week. But then, of course, down the road, he makes a barrage of bogeys and ultimately um, counts himself out of it. But early on, it was a very emotionally involved Sunday, which most of them are, but then you put a final round on a track like Bay Hill, and it's just set up for drama all the way to the end. You look at Kurt Kitayama, who's looking to break through on the PGA Tour for the first time. He's won at other levels, of course, but this is the biggest stage, and he's up against the biggest names. You've got Scotty Scheffler, 
Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, as I mentioned. And so that is a that is a heavy, heavy workload for a guy who's experiencing this type of pressure for the first time. And I thought he handled it really well through the first six holes. He's even par, holding steady, and then he rolls in the long bomb for birdie at the seventh. And then things kind of go off the rails, literally and figuratively, at nine, putting his tee shot out of bounds. And I'm not going to lie, Adam, I thought that that was probably it for Kurt. Yeah, you know what? I was just going to ask you that because, you know, you watch all of the golf and you've seen guys try to go for their first PGA Tour victory, LPGA Tour victory. And when you see someone miss a fairway by that wide of a margin, hitting this thing that went left and then turned left in a hurry, it was six inches out of bounds. That could have gone one way or the other very quickly. And for a lot of guys going for that first PGA Tour victory, oh, with a casual 3.6 schmill on the line. <laughs> as well there's so much on the line but how about the you know the the perseverance of Kitayama to bounce back the way he did you must have been so impressed watching him uh th throughout the back nine I was so so impressed I mean as Paul Azinger said it on the broadcast it's not often you see a guy pull out a win after hitting two balls out of bounds in a week not to mention a triple bogey in a final round I believe it was the first time someone's gone on to win the Arnold Palmer since 1983. So we're talking about 40 years. That does not happen, let alone someone who's never been in the winner's circle. So it was incredible. And I really thought, can it be enough said about his lag putt on 18? Because I don't know, that looked like a three putt all the way to me. That looked the entire way, too, especially after he makes the, such a clutch birdie on the 17th hole that no one was birdieing all day to hoist a five iron that high into a pin from 217 yards, making birdie. And then on 18, it's a pretty nervy tee shot. Many guys hitting three wood, some driver. He hits the three wood in the left rough, and you're thinking, eh, this might look like playoff here because at one moment, too, as you're putting together those highlights, Murph, we could have seen a four or five man playoff. Um, oh, trust me, it was it was at the forefront of my mind. Like I could be in, in this one for the long haul, which as a fan, you love to see it. Bring on all the chaos. When you're working on an event like this, sometimes you sort of hope for a, a more simple outcome. But it was drama all the way down to the end. And I love the, the ISO shots of Rory McIlroy watching on the screen to see what's happening. I mean, there, there's no one else that I, he's the last guy I would want waiting and watching for me. Am I right? Oh, totally. And it was great to seeing Rory's reaction after Kitayama's <laughs> putt came up a millimeter short. When he can, he can see him say "Wow" and have a smile on his face. And you know, Rory always the classiest of guys. And you know, he beat Kitayama in a duel back at the CJ Cup back during the fall portion of the schedule. But uh, let's talk about Rory because you know, Rory McIlroy's had. Uh, obviously, 2022 was uh, tumultuous, to put it lightly, on in the world of golf. But McElroy, you know, he had a great year on the golf course. FedEx Cup champion, RBC, Canadian Open champion. We were both there on location on Sunday at St. G's. That was just epic, to say the least. But his leadership off the golf course was, you know, it, it was great, too. And then you, you kick off 2023, yet T-Gate, where all the drama in the world of golf was happening with that. He goes on, wins that tournament. And then he has a couple mediocre weeks in Phoenix and a Genesis. But what did you see from Rory throughout 
the day on Sunday. And what's your optimism now, Murph? Because, you know, we got a Players' Championship this week and in about a month's time, uh, a man who's looking to complete the career Grand Slam. It's hard not to be optimistic about McElroy. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking he must be mentally exhausted after last season with all the live sideshow, and he's really become the spokesperson for the PGA Tour. And you think that's going to take a toll mentally, but he finds himself in contention still week after week. I think his game looks great, um, and I think he's due. And, and the one thing about Rory is he never gives up. He didn't start with the lead today, but he's always hanging around, and my goodness, is he dangerous when he gets going. Yeah, you know, is he ever? And, you know, there was a time in his career where he was just not very good with the wedges. You know, he would hit these 350-yard bombs out there and then hit a wedge to 42 feet. And you're like, what's the point of that? But, you know, for Rory, I'm curious how he goes forward. You know, we saw in that Netflix documentary. I, I hope you've seen all the episodes. I'm not going to spoil something oh. here, Greg. Oh, I have. You bet I have. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen all the episodes, listeners, there's a line from Rory in this show where he says, you know, it's like I'm looking to win my first major again because it's coming on nine years. Now, for Rory McIlroy, I'm so curious which Rory is going to show up at Augusta National. And someone else who's had just a dominant year so far was John, or is John Rahm with three wins thus far in 2023. Opens up on Thursday. He looks like a robot out there. And then he fires a pair of 76s. Uh, he fired a, a pretty, he was pretty, let's call it fired up after a second round when he uh, laced a, a bit of a profanity <laughs> bomb where we had to use the bleep button on, on TSN, which uh, for golfers doesn't happen very often. But from what you've seen from Rom uh, Murph for the first, uh, his three wins thus far in 2023 for a guy who has one career major, what's your outlook for Rombo in 2023? It's, it's again, it's hard to be negative about everything he's done he's off to just such a torrid start and what i find so interesting when you talk about rory you talk about rom also insert scotty scheffler and you have this game within the game this battle that feels like it's going to go on all season long for that number one spot in the official world golf rankings so i think that's going to be very fun to watch but then you also have names that are a little bit more on the periphery when i'm looking ahead to the players this week I kind of like a guy not as flashy, not nearly as flashy as those three, but Patrick Cantlay, who's kind of flies under the radar. He finished tied for fourth this week, but obviously he's, he's out of the spotlight, but we've seen him go on big win runs, you know, his four-win season just a couple seasons ago. And so I like a guy like that because there's so much attention on those big three. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned Cantley there currently on FanDuel. He has he's tied for the third shortest or tied for the fourth shortest odds this week to win the players championship at nineteen to one alongside Max Homa and Justin Thomas. But one player who unfortunately is not going to be playing this week at the players championship is one Tiger Woods. And we saw Tiger at the Genesis where there were flashes of optimism, of brilliance, and then other moments where he just looked like a 47-year-old guy who's basically robotically built together with rods and uh, you know 10-plus surgeries throughout his entire body in the last couple right. of years, too, probably. How Were you surprised to see him not, uh, not play this week at the Players' Championship? No, I, I was not surprised. I think um, him being in the Genesis 
I think that obviously took a lot out of him. He also has Mm. hosting duties that week as well. So it's, I mean, wherever Tiger goes, let's be honest, all eyes are on Tiger, but especially at his own event and an event that he's never won before. So I think people were really dialed in to see how he looked. And uh, I think it was pretty obvious, especially during the final round, that there was some wear and tear. You know, he's not used to walking for rounds on the course and I don't think really it's a surprise that he's sitting this week because as he's mentioned his focus really going forward is on playing the majors and in order for him to be in the best possible condition for those big events I think he has no choice but to rest this week. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. We're in conversation with Kristen Murphy, who's a contributor for us here on Golf Talk Canada. You'll be seeing a lot more of and hearing a lot more of Murph's voice and face, if you're watching on TV, of course, uh, throughout <laughs> the year, right here on uh, Golf Talk Canada. Now, I mentioned, Murph, off the top, that uh, if for those watching SportsCenter on a nightly a basis you might see the golf highlights and you might see whether they're 45 seconds or a minute or two minutes depending on how long or how important or how big the event is if a canadian is in the mix but what i want to ask you is give our listenership uh, a, a day in the life if you are doing the highlights for a pga tour event absolutely so what i'll say off the top is what's so amazing about working in this industry and and doing these highlight packs is that every day is different in this line of work. You're dealing with a live event, you're dealing with human stories, emotion, you know, someone rising to an occasion. One week, someone buckling down the stretch under the pressure of winning on the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour. The next week, it's always different. Um, Sometimes you have someone going for history and then sometimes you have someone looking to win for the first time, like we saw this week at the Arnold Palmer. Um, But no matter what, there's always a massive range um, in terms of what's going to ultimately end up in the final product. And I'll just narrow it down to a final round, for example, because that's Mm -hmm. really the most challenging pack to put together. You might see something like what we saw yesterday, Jordan Spieth's amazing start and great highlights. You've got long birdie bombs, you've got chip-ins and great reactions. And you think, okay, this is definitely going in. But they're not even on the back nine. The leaderboard is shuffling constantly. It's different in from watching a hockey game or a baseball game where it's just one play at a time. Obviously, you have guys playing in different groups. You've got things happening all over the place. So it's a little bit chaotic. And there can be big swings minute to minute, hour to hour. So in a case like yesterday, it's really like a wait and watch. The back nine always on Sunday is where the pack comes together. And typically, it's the last couple of holds. Um, so really it's, you have to be patient. When I first started doing this work, I would see an early highlight and Adam, you'd be right there beside me. And I'd be like, should I put this in? This is going in, right? And you just wait, Murph, just wait, settle in, Murph, settle in. You knew it wasn't going to live to be in the final product. I didn't know that yet, but I certainly know that now. Um, so yeah, it's so exciting. Obviously I'm a diehard golf fan, so Watching golf every shot every week is just a dream, and the fact that it's my job is is just really quite spectacular. So, yeah, I don't know if that uh, helps give people a better sense of how it goes down, but basically you're constantly changing things in and out based on what's happening on the course. 
that was uh, that was a perfect summary and and that's something where you know for as long as we have worked together and i personally have been at tsn too that's something that that's the first thing i get is you know how how does the process actually work now you know before we sign up i have to give you a, a shout out here a because you've absolutely killed your first segment here on gtc and second <laughs> i have to give you a personal shout out for a couple of when i have read the highlights on sports center as an anchor there were a couple that came to mind that I had to talk, you know, mention to our audience here. I believe it was the Hero World Challenge where they elected to not play lift clean in place and you put highlights together about mud balls. And for those maybe a little context here, sometimes if the fairways are a little moist, if you will, uh, balls land and there's mud on the golf ball. And, you know, sometimes PGA Tour players, if there's mud on a golf ball or those who play golf, the ball can really go anywhere. And now Bubba Watson, who's now gone to live, of course, coined the mud ball phrase when he would do this on social media and yell that. So naturally, I do the same thing. So A, thank you for that. And B, last week at the Honda Classic, I mean... I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen more players take their shirts off or roll oh. their pants up. Like, what what was up with that at the Honda Classic? It was a wild scene, and we're, we're actually seeing this year after year now, so I've come to expect it. But for the average sports fan that maybe isn't watching week in and week out, it's pretty shocking to see these shirtless wonders just hitting wedge shots around the greens. It's not something you'd find at Augusta National, that's for sure. No, nothing you'd find there. And then you can really see the golf tan because there are some bad <laughs> golf tans, whether it's the it forehead, whether it's yeah, whether it's the, the upper body, that sort of thing. Well, Murph, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, you're also doing some work for us on Golf Talk Canada television this week on the production side of things. So stay tuned for that Wednesday at 1 p.m. Murph, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. That was Kristen Murphy. Uh, get ready because you'll be hearing a lot of her voice this season on Golf Talk Canada. Follow her on Instagram too, at Murphy Marie, where you can take a look at her Instagram, uh, her videos. She uh, normally around tournament week, Wednesday through Sunday, she puts out some little previews where she's talking about some Canadians in the mix, general overviews of the tournament. Some, some great insight there from Kristen Murphy. Follow her at Murphy. Marie. On the other side, our own Mark Sacchino was following Kurt Kitayama for the final 36 holes on PGA Tour Radio at Bay Hill, and he went one-on-one -on -one with the newest champion on the PGA Tour right after the victory. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods, designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Kitayama here at 17 has 13 feet, 8 inches, putter back. Kitayama with pace for birdie, 17, How about that call from the Z-Man? Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. That was Mark Zacchino. 
yesterday for Kurt Kitayama, who went on to win for the first time on the PGA Tour. That was Mark's call on PGA Tour Radio. And now I know why Mark sometimes doesn't have a voice after doing some of these broadcasts, because he was all kinds of fired up. I love that from the Z-Man. Now, shortly after Kitayama went on to win, to tap in from mere millimeters on the 72nd hole to win for the first time on the PGA Tour, Mark spoke with Kitayama. Kurt, wow, what a weekend, a uh, ton of fight. I'll go back to our conversation yesterday. Every time it looked like you were going to maybe head in the wrong direction, where it could have got away from you, you found a way to dig it out. How hard was the fight over the last 36 holes? Yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sleep really well tonight. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, everything I kind of mentally prepared myself for. Um, and, you know, it was pretty much as hard as I expected. Let us into a window inside your head when you walked off 16 and made that walk to the 17th tee. I know you were upset with yourself with that first putt, maybe feeling like, hey, I let one slip away. What was the talk you had with yourself there and try to get back in focus to hit that tee shot on 17? Yeah, I mean, it was just a hard putt. And, um, you know, I gave myself a good run at it on the second one. But... I don't know, at that point, there's nothing you can do, and just kind of, you see the leaderboard, you know you're still right there in it, and, uh, you know, just focus on the next shot, really. You made almost 140 feet of putts today, and it's that last inch that kind of changes everything uh, almost instantaneously. But at the end of our call today, we said, after all the continents, all the countries, it kind of ends here. What does this mean? You think back, I know it's fresh, but your journey here to do it at Arnold Palmer's home, what's this mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I've always dreamed of winning on the tour and uh, to finally do it. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty unbelievable, really. Well, I know you got a lot of obligations. There's a lot of friends here, players coming to cheer for you. Everybody said this is a popular win. I can tell already by all the people here waiting to, to greet you and, and congratulate you. So well done. Go enjoy it. It was fun to watch. Real pleasure today. Thank you. That's our own Mark Sakino with Kurt Kitayama, who had rounds of 67, 68, 72, 72 to go on to win for the first time on the PGA Tour, taking home $3.6 million in another designated event on the PGA Tour at Bay Hill at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Let's take a listen now to some of the other notables who came up just short. First, Rory McIlroy, rounds of 73, 69, 68, 70. He finished one shot off the lead of Kitayama. Let's hear from Rory McIlroy. Bad start, really good middle, and then a bit of a, well, not a bad finish. I, you know, if I look back on today, the one thing I'll, I'll rue is the, uh, the tee shot on 14. I, uh, I birdied 13 and got on to 14 tee, and I, I honestly thought I was still like one or two behind the lead. And I was, I was walking to the 14th green, I looked behind me at the scoreboard, and I was leading by one. And if I hadn't known that, I wouldn't have tried to play the shot that I played on 14. Um, which was unfortunate, but um, you know I ended up making bogey there, and then a, you know a, a bad swing off the tee on 15 and a bogey. So you know I had a chance at the last. I had a good putt. It just missed on the low side, but uh, you know it was a, a good week. You know saw some positive signs. Games rounded into form for the you know for the, the bulk of the season. So I'm uh, yeah. Even though I didn't get the win, I'm I'm still pretty you know pretty happy with how everything went this week.
Interesting perspective there from McElroy not seeing the leaderboard. Rory McElroy coming in second, and you think, you've got to think, coming into a tournament this week at the Players' Championship, a place he has won at before. Don't be surprised to see McElroy back in the mix come Sunday afternoon. Okay, we both before we go to break, let's hear from Harris English, who also came T2. He played with McElroy during Sunday's final round. Also missed a birdie putt on the 72nd hole, which would have got him into a potential playoff. Let's hear from Harris English. I think it was a lot of quality off, um, a lot of good par saves. I, I feel like I putted really well all week, um, probably inside six or eight feet. I don't, I don't know how many putts I missed, but uh, it was great. I mean, I, I love the style of golf. Um, it's really difficult. you gotta got to play chess out here and, and pick your spots to be aggressive. And, uh, man, it was a lot of fun. Um, I love playing in U.S. Opens, and this is as close to a U.S. Open setup as, as we play on the PGA Tour. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to be in the mix playing with Rory the last day and um, can feel a lot of energy and excitement out, out there for the fans and it was, it was a lot of fun. Sucks to come up one short, but uh, I'll take a lot of positives to the players next week. You know, golf's a funny game because Harris English didn't have the greatest form coming into this week. His best finish on the season, a T12 at the Genesis, but he also... Uh, opened up 2023 with a T73 at the Sony, missed the cut at the American Express, missed the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open, missed the cut at the WM Phoenix Open, a T12 at Genesis, like I just mentioned, and a missed cut at the Honda Classic. But a big week for Harris English, moving from 79th to 39th now in the official World Golf Rank. Big week for Harris English. We'll hear from some of the other notables who came up short a little later in the show. But coming up on the other side, we're going to go one-on-one -on -one with Mark Sakino, who was with Kurt Kitayama calling his action for his final 36 holes at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, this past week, Mark Sacchino was working for PGA Tour Radio at Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Of course, he's been, Flor been in Florida now for a number of weeks. He'll be at TPC Sawgrass this week, too. And it's a travel day for Mark today, so he was unavailable to join us live on the show. But last night, shortly after Kurt Kidiyama went on to win, I had a chance to catch up with Mark for a full recap of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now joining us, the man who was walking with Mr. Kidiyama for the last 36 holes for PGA Tour Radio, Mark Sakino, whose Florida adventure continues. Mark, welcome to the show. What was it like watching Kidiyama for the final 36 at Bay Hill? Adam, it was crazy, man. It was every time you thought, like there were multiple moments going back even to the fourth hole on Saturday when he blows it so far out of bounds, 70 yards right of his target line, and yet fights his way back into the golf tournament and, bury, and, and buries a birdie on the last hole on Saturday night to get in the last group with the lead. 
I mean, it was 36 holes of, of, of fighting. It was almost like he was never truly comfortable. It was, it must have been exhausting. And there were so many times where this tournament could have gone off the rails. And just when you thought it was going to go off the rails, he found a way to make a putt. And I think the best example of that is, you know, look at, look at late in the tournament. He, he lands on that 16th green and two. If he two putts, he's going to take a one-shot lead to that 17th tee, and he three putts. And he somehow manages to, when everybody thinks, okay, there goes Kitayama, he just three putt when he needed to make a big two putt. What's he do? He gets up on that 17th tee, and he kind of mans up and, you know, for, gets that short-term memory, which you need in this game, and fires it at that flag and, and pays it off with the putt. I mean... Good, good for him. You know, he's played all over the world, almost, you know, multiple, tons of countries, almost every tour on the planet, and finally now a PGA Tour winner. Yeah, pretty remarkable to see him down the stretch and, you know, first player to win with a triple bogey on the card during his final round since Victor Hovland back in 2020. It was certainly a roller coaster. And even to Mark, the 18th hole where he missed the fairway, it was certainly a nervy tee shot with that three wood hitting a big pole hook sort of into that left rough where and you know he had, he had a pretty it was a pretty good shot I think Paul Azinger said on the on the the telecast on TV that you know it was a one and four to get on the green from there uh, what did you see from the lie on Kitayama's approach on 18 and then that two putt too was I mean it was nearly a, a great exclamation mark on that tournament where he, he left the putt just on the edge yeah I I got to take like I was basically standing on top of that golf ball yeah. examining the live and because I went back to the studio and I said guys I there's no way he can go at the flag but we're in a situation where why would you want to do that anyway right but I, I, I believe it was better than 50 50 for the green I kind of thought it was 60 70 to get it at the left side of the green now I mean does it tumble to the back through the rough? Does it, you know, just trickle onto the front edge? You don't know. Getting it towards that left side and getting it, you know, to stay there are two different things. He hit a perfect second. I don't believe you could have hit any better shot than he hit there. And I don't know, Adam, if you can hear the rain right now. <laughs> Coming down here in Florida, it is pouring. And this is what the players were thinking about tonight. They're like... They had to get this in because about 20 minutes after that final putt dropped on 18, the skies opened up and it has not stopped. So we were going to go in. We were looking at a Monday finish if, if this potentially went to a playoff. And at one point, it looked like there was four or five guys tied for the lead. I mean, and the last thing you want the week of the player championship is, is a Monday finish. So there was so much going on at play here. And I'll tell you something else. That is not an easy two-putt from 56 feet whole high there at, at Bay Hill. There, there had to be five, six feet of break on that putt. And to leave it on the, on the edge like that, I mean, wow. Great nerves. Popular win. Justin Saw waited for him. Rory McIlroy was the first to congratulate him. This, this guy is really popular. A lot of players waiting to uh, greet him uh, after he won.
Yeah, certainly a very popular win. And you mentioned the nerves there. And, you know, it was pretty funny when he elected to go mark his ball from about, you know, a couple of inches away at most. And you think it'd be nervy at that to not just <laughs> drop the ball in the hole by accident, right? <laughs> well, you know what was funny, Adam, was so he was going to go up and just roll that in. And it was Victor Hovland who stopped him. So oh, really? I'm standing there and I'm, and I'm, you know, yeah, I was live and, you know, Earl Forsey, our host. So I'm going, Earl, I think he's just going to walk up and tap this in. To make I went, oh, wait, wait. I spoke too soon. Victor Hovland called him off and said, wait, Kurt, this is a huge moment, man. Slow it down. Mark your ball. You got to take your applause and take your bows. Let me get out of your way. And, you know, Victor Hovland went and played out and finished out and, and kind of gave the space to Kurt Kitayama. But Kurt was like, I'm just, I want out of here. I want this over. I'm exhausted. And he, he couldn't wait to tap that in. Yeah, that, that was, that was too funny. We're recapping the Arnold Palmer invitational with uh, Mark Sakino, who was on location uh, for PGA tour radio, first career victory for Kitayama, the second first time winner this season behind Adam Svensson, the Canuck who won back at the RSM classic. Now, Mark, we mentioned this was a star studded leaderboard who came up just short Starting with Rory McIlroy, who had some interesting comments after his round saying he didn't know where he was in the leaderboard on the 14th hole where he played a pretty risky shot and ended up making a bogey. And that what ended up costing him. We saw a bit of a blip on his performance after that win in Dubai with T-Gate and all that nonsense. Then he goes to Phoenix and Genesis. Sort of mediocre, but I mean, now Rory's back at T2 here. What, how would you assess McIlroy's play throughout the week? Yeah, he did the game, and the putter looks horrible. Like, I know he made some putts today, and, and I didn't get a chance to really see any of his golf because I was in the final group, but I was trying to listen in the headset when things were happening, and I did get caught off guard by those comments. You know, Jordan Spieth didn't know where he was on this leaderboard either, Adam, until he got to the 17th tee. Yeah. Jordan in his post-round, and I was like, wow, like, how, how are these guys waiting that long to figure out where they are? But, you know, that was – how to go about their business, whatever. Um, Rory's an interesting case because, you know, he's a victim of his own success. And even when he doesn't have his A game, he's hanging around leaderboards like he did today. I mean, he was horrible with a chance to win. But, you know, there's a couple of soft shots and the inability to make some key putts in the last three holes or so. I know he had a makeable one, I believe, in the last. I don't know what the length was, but. Carney had the call, Mark Carnival, and sounded to me like that was a real makeable one on the last hole. So I don't know how we rate his performance because it's so hard with Rory because I know we're, we're you know, we just expect so much from him. And I don't know how to feel about him this in this upcoming week. You know, we've got John Rom was just like, forget, you know, you and I spoke on TV earlier this week and I said, I just think, you know, eventually John Rahm's due for a stinker. He came out of the gates on fire and then went absolutely in reverse. So, <laughs> Rahm's got that out of the way. Sawgrass is such an interesting golf course, and it doesn't really favor anybody. It just favors the person that just plays well for four days, and you don't have to do one particular thing well. you got to do everything well, but you don't have to be exceptional in one particular category. That's why we've seen such an incredible variety of players work at the win at the stadium course so i don't know i'm kind of hesitant to give any predictions on rory mcelroy next week i think there are some players though coming in 
who like that venue, who are past champions, that have some type of momentum that aren't flying under the radar completely, but they're certainly going to fly under the radar when we're talking about favorites. Oh, totally. And of course, uh, Wednesday, we'll have a full TSN Edge preview on the Players' Championship, the fifth major. It, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait for that. And you mentioned Rory on 18. He had a, a great three-wood in the fairway. He had a he had a three-quarter eight iron to the green, and he had about, call it a 12-footer, and he missed it on the low side. So it was uh, it was a, a, on a similar line that what Kitayama had, but he was just 12 feet away. He had a perfect tee shot, a perfect second shot. He just couldn't make the putt. But, you know, adventurous for Rory. And you mentioned Jordan Spieth, too, and I, I really think this is almost his tournament to lose because he clearly had his what a D game off the tee it was one of those weeks mark where he was just hitting it absolutely everywhere but he was still scoring well and then he goes and you know misses three very very short putts and as I've said on the show many times it's the curious case of Jordan speed right I mean sometimes he can look like a 14 handicap hitting shots and then he goes out and shoots 62 it's like which Jordan speed is going to show up this week Yeah, and I don't think, yes, is his ball striking better? Have we made huge improvements in the last two years? Of course we have. Statistically, just look at the numbers. But we're not out of the woods, to your point, Adam, where he can hit one off the planet. And you don't know when it's coming. And all of a sudden, you know, he's like flirting without a bounds line for no apparent reason. And And there are times still when, you know, he looks fidgety over short pots and fidgety with the flat stick. Around the greens with the ledges, it's crazy. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I expect them to hole out all the time now. It's starting to feel like he's just so good, you know, inside 100 yards, just scrambling and whatnot. And I guess I guess you have to be when, when you're, you know, not necessarily in full control of your golf swing and your ball striking. But I'm wondering, Adam, how you feel about this. You know, there was a lot of discussion on property this week, and I believe it was two weeks ago at the Genesis as well, when I was working PGA Tour Live, I was talking a lot with uh, Johnson Wagner. We had uh, Jordan Spieth uh, on one of our uh, streams for an afternoon. And he goes back and forth still between looking at the hole, not looking at the hole on short putts. Uh, This week, I didn't see him look at the hole once. In L.A., there was a few times where he's going to look at the hole and kind of, you know, on a five-footer, not not focus on the ball, but focus on the target. And I'm just curious at this point if we should just not pick a lane. If you're Jordan, you just go, you know, I got to I got to figure out percentage-wise what what is like get get me some data. Go to your team and get me some data on my percentages from looking at the hole inside ten feet and not looking at the hole inside 10 feet, and then pick a lane and go with it. This kind of, you know, it just, to me, it speaks to just that fidgety, twitchy behavior. You know, I'm in, I'm out. I'm looking at the hole, I'm not looking at the hole. I I think it's feeding part of the problem, and, and it's not helping him settle down at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, when when he when he's on, he's one of the great mid-range putters in the game. And, you know, from short range, like you mentioned, it's a bit of a fidgety stroke sometimes. And, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth comes up just short here. A T4, 
But as he said after his round, he's pumped to, you know, get back in the mix and he's heading into a stretch of tournaments where he's played very well at uh, before. Now, Mark, on our show on Wednesday last week was when news was breaking about the PGA Tour's new schedule that has been reported for 2024 in terms of designated events with with limited fields, sizes, uh, no cuts. What kind of buzz was there on location this week at Bay Hill about this whole thing? Yeah, there was a lot of talk, and of course, we got more information as the week rolled out in terms of being able to play your way into those events if you're not already in that automatic field of 70 or 78. I forget what the number is, but there's going to be a way. So, you know, if you've played well in the non-designated uh, events, you can still play your way in. So I think that's super important, Adam, that there's still ways to get into that group and fall out of that group. If we lose that, I think uh, it would be an absolute shame. So they've addressed that. There's a lot of hype. It's just more opportunity to see the best players in the world, you know, go toe-to-toe, head-to-head. Um, I think James Hahn and his comments, I don't know if you saw those, but Hahn was really aggressive in terms of, you know, not liking it. He was very vocal. I think he's in the minority. I really do. Uh Hard to be, you know, guy getting older on the PGA Tour, a guy who's, you know, maybe feeling that part of your career slip away a little bit. So, you got, you know, when we get these comments from players, we've got to filter through some of it and, and, and figure out the context and the lens of which it's coming through. So, but you're right. The majority of the players, the majority of the people there say uh, they love it. As long as you can play your way in and play your way out, that's important. And there's been a lot of discussion that kind of goes against what you and I felt originally. I know you and I felt originally we were really worried about, well, what does this mean for the, you know, the non-designated designated mm-hmm. events? What does this mean to an RBC Canadian Open sandwiched in between, a, you know, a major and, and probably a designated event in perpetuity at Murfield, you know? And what does it mean for those events? Well, a lot of the chatter on the ground was, that these non-designated events have become even more important now. They might not have some of the big names. They might not have a ton of star power, but they mean a ton for people trying to play their way into that, that other category, the category that gets to access these events. So, you know, we'll see. There's a lot to, there's a lot to figure out as we go here. Um, a lot of this is reactionary to, you know, our boys in Saudi league. Um, well, it's going to be interesting. I'm a little worried about the RBC Canadian Open. I'd love to get uh, Lawrence on, and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll get Lawrence on in a week or so and uh, and get a chance to pick his brain and, and see how our friends at Golf Canada think about this. And, and, and who knows? And the good news for the Canadian Open, Adam, is some of these guys, even though they're super busy in their scheduling, the Rory McIlroy's of the world and a lot of these younger stars, they like to play a week before a major. That yeah. That's important to them. They do not want to go into a major with competitive rust. So the fact that it leads into the U.S. Open, you know, still might uh, still might create that environment where we see, like we've seen the last few national championships. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're right about you're right about that. It's a, it's certainly a moving target and, and something that, as always, we'll keep uh, everyone posted on with all the latest news. And coming up on our TV show this week, we're going to hear from some PGA Tour players about this new reported schedule. And Mark and Bob will both comment on it. Now, Mark, before I let you go, I have to ask you a quick question: Tiger Woods not in the field for the Players' Championship coming up. Are you surprised? Not surprised, but very disappointed. I yeah. you know I wanted him to play. Uh, I thought that, that maybe we had a 50-50 chance that he got in there. Um, we know we're going to see him at Augusta, so I'm not surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he played. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play because I had it at 50-50. I'm very disappointed, though, because, you know what, I just, A, obviously his body can't do it because I think we all agree that he could use more competitive rounds. Uh, going to be hard for him to kind of just walk into Augusta and be ready to go against the way these guys are playing here at Bay Hill. I mean, it's just, he elevated the sport, right? 20 some odd years ago, he elevated the sport to, uh, to, to, to the standard golf that we're seeing right now. And that standard, in my opinion, Scully is just way too high to just waltz in on the sidelines three, four five times a year at best, likely three or four times a year and, uh, and be able to, to, to compete. But hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he's in the mix at the masters. He's made uh, Bob and I eat our words in the past uh, many times. Yeah. So I'm always scared to give Tiger predictions, but I'm disappointed about the players. Yeah, for sure. I am too. Uh, obviously, you know me being the, the Tiger optimist that I always uh, am. Well, Mark, uh, thanks for your time. Yeah. Pre- appreciate this. Uh, we'll see you on TV Wednesday for a Players' Championship preview show and Wednesday, 10 a.m. TSN 1050 as we preview the fifth major. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. As always, great stuff there from the Z-Man. Golf Talk Canada continues after the break. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up hour one here on GTC, it's been a fun one. Chris and Murphy's first time uh, contributing to us here on Golf Talk Canada. You'll be hearing a lot of Murph throughout the summer. Very excited for that and her perspective on the game. Mark, after calling Kurt Kitayama for 36 holes for PGA to a radio. And how about that call of his birdie on the 17th hole? That was that was awesome from Mark. Uh, he'll be back on Wednesday as well for our Players' Championship preview show, TSN 1050, 10 a.m. as well on TSN television at 1 p.m., where Bob will also be around for that one, too. Coming up in hour two, another busy hour for us. We're going to hear from our good friend of the show, TJ Rule from Golf Away Tours. Are you looking to plan your bucket list golf trip of a lifetime? Well, if you are, you'll want to stay tuned to this and you'll want to start planning because things are getting booked up very, very quickly. But coming up to kick off hour two, I go one-on-one with Canadian swing coach Sean Foley. Yes, the same Sean Foley who coached Tiger Woods back 
and from 2012 to 14, approximately, where he helped Tiger get back to world number one. And Sean has launched a new training aid called the Pro Sender, which many players on the PGA Tour are using. We'll learn all about the Pro Sender with Sean Foley to kick up hour two. That's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour One of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, the second nine, the back nine here on GTC Hour 2. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, when you hear the name Sean Foley, you probably think of Tiger Woods because, of course, Sean Foley coached Tiger back when he got him to world number one yet again. That was back in 2013 when he won Coincidentally, the Arnold Palmer Invitational that year, getting back to world number one. And, and Sean worked for Tiger for a couple of years. He's worked with a number of other pros as well. But Sean has recently co-launched a training aid called ProSender, which many players on the PGA Tour are currently using. Here's part one of my conversation with Sean Foley, all about ProSender. For much more on ProSender, one of the men behind this training aid, longtime PGA Tour swing coach and Canadian, Sean Foley now joins the show. Sean, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Thanks, Adam. Good to be with you, bud. Good to be with you, too, my Actually, friend. Actually, you I mean, know, my, 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 uh, um, the co-owner of my partner is David Woods, who's also yes. a, uh, a Winnipeg boy. So it's, it's all Canadian. It's all Canadian, and, and we'll get to David Woods here uh, momentarily. But for those who, you know, haven't heard about ProSender, tell us what it is. What, what, what's it all about? Well, basically, you know, the instruction world can be confusing, right? Because, you know, people are talking about what you do to the ground or how your body should move. Should you stay centered or should you shift your weight? Should you do this, this, or that? But I think that, you know, great players are great at impact. And the problem is from the top of the backswing, the impact is two one hundredths of a second. So it's very difficult with the club moving at that speed. And at that speed in space, it gets heavier to really do a whole lot with your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of the movements we see from amateurs, they're kind of pulling out of the shot. They're doing things like that. Then people stay, stay in your spine angle. Um, they're pulling out of the shot because they're coming from the wrong place and they're trying to find a way to get the club face to close. So 99 out of 100 amateurs, if anything, their ball is going to have more of a fade than a draw. And so we know that the face is open to the path. So by 
by making the pro sender, and, and as you can see here, we've got this carbon fiber. The, the beauty of it is that directly on top of it can stand 90 pounds of load. And then this padding here is air pressed in there. So you could pull on it all day and it won't come out. So the one thing about Dave is Dave is, uh, you know, the director of golf, one of the most high-end golf courses in the world. And his attention to detail is incredible, even to where he's made that to where the index finger gets more fitted into this position rather than outside of it. So basically it's really simple to use, um, has a wristband, goes on the right wrist, not the left wrist. The reason for the right wrist over the left wrist is mm -hmm. because most right-handed golfers are right-handed people. And when you right. talk to them about their left wrist, it's, it's, they, it doesn't really go very well. So mm -hmm. once I strap it on, we have a saying that you're responsible for your learning. So a lot of training aids put people in positions. And so once it puts you in the position and it's doing the work for you, when you're building new motor programs and, and not to be wordy, but really it's just a motor program. So right. how we produce mechanics, you're just dealing with neurons and cells. So in order for people to, when people are like, oh, that was my old swing. Your old swing will always be your swing because it's just the motor program. So when you look down the fairway and you get the visual intent to hit the ball there, the brain just picks neuropathway 1010 and off you go. So the cool thing about understanding that one is, you know, don't get so frustrated when you're learning or feeling like you're failing because the inconsistency and the failing, those variables are really important to growth. And second, it's not like you are not capable of doing it. This is not a personal problem you have. It's just that these motor programs are, they're very picky. The brain doesn't like to be put in a, in a state of cognitive strain. It likes cognitive ease, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you grip the golf club there, uh, and regardless of grip, really, what happens is as we build the backswing, we, we have to go ahead and extend the right wrist, and yeah. then we have to also pronate the right forearm to get it on there. So just imagine, like, that is where you would do, you know, a shoulder press. Shoulder with press, it. yeah. So if, if you went into this position to do shoulder press, you wouldn't be, you'd be very weak. Mm -hmm. So this is anatomically where we're very strong. Yeah. Okay? And so, look, growing up, my coaches said, just pretend you're carrying a waiter's tray. Oh. Right? Yeah. So that is, this is the waiter's tray. So for most people at the top are like this. <laughs> like so me. <laughs> this left wrist is an extension and yep. it's cupped and the right wrist is flat. So from there, the face is super open. Mm -hmm. And to close it, they come over the top to get the hand path left yep. to make the face square. Right? Right. right. But when they talk about Tiger Woods, they talk about how great his hands are. They don't talk about how great his body and his feet are, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? I, no one talks about how great Messi's hands are because Messi yeah. kicks the ball. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, golf instruction has went too much in the direction of what the big muscles are doing, what the body's doing, when they're just playing a supporting role. Mm -hmm. um, I met a guy the other day at the golf show, uh, and he's the number one adaptive golfer in the world. Oh. So he was in special forces. He's paralyzed from, uh, he's, he's a paraplegic mm -hmm. 
And so he designed this golf cart that stands you up so you can play golf. Yes, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. He carries the ball 280 yards and has no neural network to his feet. So that's the idea is he's creating most of his speed from here to here. Remember, the golf club's not very heavy. No. Right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Sasha McKenzie, another Canadian. Yep. Right? Brilliant. Love Sasha. He's like been so helpful to my understanding of the physics of the swing. Um, Basically said how we produce force into a golf club is more similar to a badminton racket than a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we're not talking about long drive. We're talking about hitting it and finding it. We're talking about the, the people on Canadian golf talk, not dumping $8 pro V's into the water on every hole. Right. So uh, my whole goal is always contact, contact and direction. Right. Okay. There's plenty of ways to increase speed, but let's get contact and direction first. So what makes it really simple is once the player sets up, Mm -hmm. it gives them that they're always like, wow, I can't believe how much I have to do that. Yeah. And so what happens is it's just kind of an end range feeling of doing that. And then from, from this point is most amateurs will feel like it stays on there. And so, as you can see from here, yeah. if I took it up to the top and I kept it on there, mm-hmm. I'd be able to have the shaft coming from over here. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 100%. So the, the popular word is shallow. Yeah. But all we're trying to do is get the mass of the club behind the hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're up in Muskoka and we're water skiing and we're going behind the boat and the boat's going 50 and we're going 50. As soon as the boat starts to slow down and turn, mm-hmm. we get thrown outside the wake. So yeah. when you see Sergio and these great ball strikers who look very flat coming into the ball, people will say, coaches used to tell me they have so much talent because they're not on plane. Yeah. The only time you want to be on plane as it relates to golf is when you're on a plane to Scottsdale or Florida to play <laughs> golf with your friend. Okay. So, and, and we can see now with today's technology, you know, if you go on Instagram, they have that marker that, that, that follows the, the club head up and down. Yep. Who doesn't get under where they went up? Yeah. Not many amateurs get amateurs get over where they went up. Yes. Right. They're, so, they're casting okay. it. Right. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with 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 this aspect. Mm-hmm. So that is how it really works well. And even when we got amateurs with it, they'll get there and then they'll go like that. Yes. So they start to feel like, oh my gosh, that I can't believe how much I have to feel that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the key part. Like for me, the duration of the golf swing is so quick that it's really hard to teach people what to feel. Like I can't tell you what feel, what, what is a good feel or not. And then the addition, what we did, which is something I designed with Lydia Co to help her with her club face Mm -hmm. is then once we go from there, we then have the compression sphere. Yep. And the compression sphere goes between the forearms. Oh, okay. And so what makes it really good is it's a three in one training aid because I can use it just this. I can use it together and then I can take the cradle out and just use the ball. So just think about all the people you play with Adam when they putt, how handsy they are. Yes. So we, we want, you know, we've seen balls kind of up above and that's cool too, but really the closer we can get the ball to the wrist, the better that is as it relates to creating uh, torque. 
Mm-hmm. And when I say torque, I've got to create torque to get the club face to close. Right. Yes. Huh. And then if I am, and, and, and with this in and there, it becomes, it's more of a high level uh, uh, tool. Yeah. This is, this for, is for everyone. And then I think that when you put this on and you use it for putting or even chipping, uh-huh. the, it's very helpful. But you, you have to have, like, be very high level to use uh, both in a full swing. So yes. a guy like Cameron Champ, who's the longest on tour, in transition, when Cameron has this ball in, in transition, he literally turns it into a pancake. Wow. And if, if you think about Hogan said, Hogan said two things that have always stood out to me ever since I was a kid. He said he, he wished he was born with three right arms, <laughs> three right hands. Yeah. And he said in the golf swing, the elbows should always get closer together. Mm-hmm. So these, like a lot of my instruction came off of those two points. So he wanted to have three right hands because he wanted to pour the release on. Yeah. He wanted to pour the power on. And then he wanted to get his hands together there because that really stabilized the face. Huh. So think of the back. That's yes. that that's ha- that's happening at Lampton and happening at Glen Abbey and happening everywhere on Saturday, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Versus that. Now, someone could technically go like this and put it back on. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not trying to tell everyone they should look the same. Right. But then where it helps a lot of people who have been told to lag the club. Mm-hmm. Remember. Club head speed's not based on how much lag I have. Club head speed's based on how fast I get rid of the lag. Okay? Huh. this If I'm lagging the club, how's it ever going to get in front of me? How am I going to hit the ball? Yeah, you'll miss so, it. <laughs> when you see lag with, with high-speed players, it's just lagging because the speed of the hands are so fast mm-hmm. that until everything starts to slow down, it looks like there's a lot of lag, but the the fact is, it's just lagging behind. Whereas so many golfers who are trying to get lag, they're just dragging the force rather than getting rid of it. Right. Huh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, ideally, I totally do. Yeah. What What happens here? Like someone like Cameron, who's got a lot of like this, mm-hmm. when he feels that pressure there, what how it helps him with his wedges is it keeps him going, staying wider mm-hmm. with more release on both sides. So we've got. 14 PGA tour players right now using it. Um, none of them are paid. Um, they just r- really like the product a lot. And I've yet with one of my players, I've yet to have a player who doesn't that where it doesn't work for them somehow, but ideally, you know, the commentary will show there's a thousand ways to swing a golf club, right? Mm-hmm. there isn't there's not they're just there's not these guys all start the ball some somewhat in a very close horizontally very similar mm-hmm. they hit the ball at a very similar height they're all a similar speed is because the swing looks different because shane lowry looks a lot different than Colin morikawa mm-hmm. and looks different than victor hovland looks different than dustin johnson Right. But what they're doing with their hands are almost identical. Yes. Yeah, or, or like a Jim Furyk or whatever, right? Yeah. Even Jim Furyk, right? Mm. So if you know where to look, you go, no, they're all basically doing the same thing. And then the only difference they're doing is based on, one, 
either how weak or strong their grip is. Mm -hmm. So now how the hands move has to be slightly different. Yeah. So but the hands, the, no pitchers throwing the ball much different than another pitcher. It's fascinating stuff from Sean Foley. Our conversation about pro sender continues next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. We just heard part one of my conversation with Sean Foley, Tiger Woods' former swing coach, about Pro Sender. Here is part two with Sean Foley talking all about Pro sender. Let's say I'm wearing the product and I'm on the range. If I cast the club and go over the top, am I going to feel like a sharp pain? Am I going to miss the ball no. entirely? What's going to happen? No, no. It, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how much you would feel, but you would be working on. And, and casting is the wrong word, right? Like we, what we have to do is we have to go back and take the golf dictionary and ex and just explode it. Because it's there's so much garbage in there. It's all yeah. semantics, right? And and that's why I got a bad rap when I first got on tour and I started doing interviews. I used all these big words, but I am from the Canadian, I am from the Canadian education system, yes, right? You are right. So when I speak to my when I speak to my financial guy, he he doesn't come up with a different name for the market. <laughs> there's not like a there's not a different there's not a different name for, for revenue and margin. They call it what it is, right? I don't go to the doctor. He calls it the pancreas. We're, we can use big words. But ideally, if I have both of these in and I keep the pressure on the ball between the forearms, yeah. and then I keep the right wrist on it, I cannot come this way. I, and I will not come that way. Mm -hmm. What happens is the faster the hands go left, the more the club faces close. Right. So all these amateurs who club faces open – they're trying to find a way to get the face to close. Mm -hmm. And that's why when they slice it, it starts left and goes, goes that way. Yes. Well, and so you're, you're saying all this. And so me personally, I'm, I'm a five handicap who hits 175 to 180 ball speed, but I have my dispersion can be anywhere from 20 yards to 200 yards, either left or right. So like, this is something that you're saying all this and I I'm, I'm wishing it's not snowing outside right now. Like I, I want to get on a golf course right now. I, I want to try this thing immediately because but the, thing, the, the thing is, The nucleus of the golf swing is that, is that the hands and arms, well, especially the hands, the club faces the CEO, right? Yeah. Yeah. The reason you hit it all over the place isn't because you're off plane. It's just mm -hmm. because your club face is never at the same point at impact, yep. right? So the hands of the GPS. So, for example, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's told they need to turn more. Yep. But then they're also told to hinge it quickly. <laughs> yep. So hinge it and then turn. But the idea is that if I do like, you know, what Tiger would talk about all the time is being wide, mm -hmm. that turns me. 
So yes. for example, if you and I are downtown and we're having a Stella together mm -hmm. and someone knocks my beer off the table, I'm going to go with my body like this to catch it, but I'm only trying to catch it. My body is responding to the intent of my hands. Yeah. Okay. So what's funny is when I explain this to someone who doesn't play golf, they're like, yeah, of course the hands matter. But the problem is our golfers who are now inundated with so much information are just really confused. So mm -hmm. the idea is like when a car doesn't work, the first thing you check is to see if it has gas. Uh -huh. So I don't care if you're, if it's a Lamborghini, if it doesn't have gas, it's not going to start. But what we do as human beings is we pull the engine out, we look at, and then at the end we go, everything's fine. Someone says, check the gas tank. And they're like, yeah, there's no gas. In <laughs> so start with the low hanging fruit. If you can control the club face, both the loft of it at impact, that's what mm -hmm. is going to decipher trajectory yeah. in a, a vertical manner and in a horizontal manner. Yeah. So that's the reason that the guys on tour are such great players and the girls on tour are such great players is because they're fantastic at squaring the club face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'll I never see, you'll never see an amateur like that, but you'll see half of the guys in the top 10 in the world like that. Well, a lot of us as kids were like that, but David Ledbetter was the big deal. So we all learned to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. It's, it's so fascinating. You know, I'm learning so much about this. I, I wish I was outside playing right now, but you know, you're a guy, Sean, you've been around for a long time, but you've never really been involved with a training aid really until now. And that's where your fellow Canadian David Woods comes into play. How did this all come to be with David? Well, Dave's a good friend of mine. I I've, uh, uh, the, the private club that he's at in um, uh, Palm Desert, um, every year he's toast for the last 10 years, he's hosted me in January to do uh, two-day golf schools for his membership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've included some of my players like Justin Rose and Cameron and, and the different guys. And he puts together this. It's like unlike anywhere else on the planet to have this kind of, uh, of golf school. And so Dave and I become real close. Um Dave is a brilliant guy and a very savvy businessman. Um, and so we offset each other so well. The things that I think I'm good at the things he's great at, and he's good at the things I'm great at. So we just kind of stay in our own lane. Um, and so Dave had made, I've been using the ball with players forever. Right. Right. That's a huge, like Justin Rose, Lydia Coe, that this is a big deal to us. Okay, because we're going to be there at impact anyways. Yeah. So because I have two one hundredths of a second, I better employ that now because there's no way on the way down I'm going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And but then they'd send me videos and I'd see the ball that I gave them like 30 yards away from them on the range. And I'm like, I guess when it falls out, they probably don't fix it. <laughs> so when I went to see Dave, he had the idea. He had the idea for the right wrist. And then I had the idea to put the ball. And, and then, you know, basically explain like, look, here's the 40 reasons this will help someone. And here's the 20 reasons this will help someone. And so, um, yeah, we're just looking to have, you know, the club faces closing at very high rates to hit the ball straight because the whole downswing opens the face based on the forces. So the more we can work to getting the club face more closed in the backswing and keep closing it in the downswing, that's the key to hitting it straight. Yeah. So the, the thing is, you listen to the pros on TV and they talk about the big muscles, but 
they've been doing this since they were children. And even if you look at, you know, in, in Hogan's illustration in the book, he's got his wrist like that. And you can see his wrist come into impact and you can see his wrist going this way. Yes. And now in instruction, we just, we don't talk about the hands, but it's, I just don't know how you can. Yeah. I mean, they're so vital. And I mean, there's, there's so much great information you've said here for, for someone, you know, watching this or listening to this interview and, and saying, Hey, I need to get my hands on this. How do they find more information about ProCenter? Yeah, well, I'm at Sean Foley Performance uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram. David is at, uh, and we've been having some fun with that uh, because we got, we, we've, uh, we're utilizing it well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then David Woods, um, and then we're at ProSender on Instagram, yep. but our website is www.prosender, which is P-R-O. People can see it there. It's P-R-O-S-E-N-D-R. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Sender's kind of Canadian because the idea of send it mm -hmm. is very, I think send it was created by Chris Barilla. He used to say, I'm going to send it FedEx on this par five. <laughs> and then he would get up there and hit it, you know, like Chris did like 330 yards in the air because he was his complete beast. So basically the product comes to you um we have instructions here the nice part about the combo of it is that um is that we have like 45 minutes of tutorials on how to use it so that's me explaining about the different things so people aren't only getting you know the value of it but you can't really go anywhere on any website and see what i think about anything Mm -hmm. I don't, I haven't, I know people have posted things I've said on YouTube, but I've never really sat down and said, you know, here's the deal. So when we're going through what we're working on and why, you know, people are also getting a lesson at the same exact time. Um, and then, you know, the initiative as we go forward is to create a paywall on the site, load tons of instruction on there uh, with it and without it uh, and give people the ability to uh, purchase that type of instruction. So, Huh. It, it, it's so cool to, to see this. I mean, I, I it, it's blown up my Instagram. Like I kept seeing videos and I, I, I just knew I needed to reach out to you because I knew all of our listenership and viewers would love to hear about this product. Well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, can't wait to to hopefully give ProSender a try very shortly. I know our listeners and our viewers are going to love this product. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. So like I said, www.prosender. S-E-N-D-R, not there's no E, uh, golf, prosendergolf.com. Thanks again to Sean Foley for joining us. Very exciting product. On the other side, we'll speak to TJ Rule from Golf Away Tours. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live.
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, are you looking to plan a big golf trip? Maybe the bucket list trip of a lifetime? Well, for much more on this and much more, now joining us, good friend of the show, TJ Rule from Golf Away Tours. TJ, been a while, my friend. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Scully, good to be on. Good to chat with you. Yes, and uh, now we... Uh, went to Spain a couple, uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess now. So we'll get into that a little later in uh, in our conversation here. But uh, now that, you know, things are, knock on wood, really opening up again, travel is really happening in a big way. What's that like for you that to see travel back in full action here for golf around the world? Well, it feels good, that's for sure. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough, long couple of years for everybody in our industry, obviously, uh, during the pandemic. And uh, you know, things really turned around last year and um, that everybody always talked about the pent up demand and, and everybody wanting to get out there and travel. And certainly that was the case last year. Um, you know, everybody in our, in our industry had a big rebound, which was great. Um, and the, now the issue, there were several issues with, with people traveling in terms of getting availability and service levels and, and all that. And that was the biggest challenge for us. Um, last year, you know, you'd, you'd send people on trips to, to places where you know they'd, they'd always gotten five-star service and, and you just weren't getting that. And we had to really warn people about that because, you know, people, it, as it was here in, in Canada as well, a lot of people just couldn't hire enough people to, uh, to, to meet the demand. So that was the biggest challenge last year. But, uh, and, and then now moving forward, it's all about availability and, and getting people places they want to go because things are booking up so quickly. Yeah, and that's where I want to start with here, Teach, because, you know, some people, when they're planning a golf trip, might think, you know what, maybe six months down the road, maybe eight months down the road, maybe a year down the road. But now that has changed where you really, if you want to know, if you know a destination you want to go to, you really have to start planning, what, 18, 24 months down the road, correct? Yeah, it, it really does depend on the destination, obviously, but those those timelines aren't unusual uh, nowadays. and. You know, we get people calling us all the time and saying, geez, you know, we, I know we're really early, but we want to book a trip a year and a half from now. And I keep saying to them, well, you're not early. Um, let's get on it. Um, you know, there's <laughs> some distant destinations around the and particularly, you know, the top sort of, as they say, bucket list golf courses, you know, the UK and Ireland in particular. Uh, when people are trying to book their trips over there, it used to be where you could book it 8 to 12 months in advance. So say people were, were calling now and wanting to go in September or October of this year, generally wasn't an issue um but now with that demand and the courses booking up as quickly as they have and even some courses over there are even restricting their, their visitor tea times as well uh and and not allowing as many visitors uh and and that's affected things as well so you know for example we have people wanting to go to northern ireland in uh in 2024 and we get tons of calls for for ireland and northern ireland and of course, like Royal Port Rush has already started taking uh, requests for, for 2024, and there are some weeks in September of 2024 that are sold out. So that's 18 months from now, and you can't get a tee time in some weeks uh, on that golf course, which is obviously a bucket list course. So, you know, we're, we're seeing that all over the world. Places are just booking up a lot faster than they used to, and, uh, and that's been the biggest challenge for us, and letting people know and making, people, well, making sure people are aware of that, right? 
Yeah, no, exactly. And I was just going to say, too, you know, you mentioned Northern Ireland. The Open is going back to Royal Portrush for 2025, which is just awesome, too, having played the golf course years ago, having been there for the 2019 Open that Shane Lowry went on to win. But let's say let's say you are planning a trip to, you know, the UK or Ireland. And one of, you know, something that people have to consider is transportation and how they are getting around. And when I've gone the, the first two times I have been, uh, the fact that we were able to uh, have a driver or some sort of coach experience with that uh, really helped enhance our experience. How valuable is that to have a driver set up when you plan this kind of trip? Well, personally, I think it's essential. And, you know, I understand some people are possibly on a budget uh, and, and other people maybe don't have the numbers to, to justify getting a coach and driver. But really, it does add to the experience, as you well know, Skulls. And, um, you know, they, the driver themselves, they, they're, they're an expert in the industry, right? They, they know the area. They know the lay of the land. Um, they act as not only your driver, but also as your guide for the trip. Uh, they'll recommend restaurants and pubs and, and places to walk. And, uh, you know, if you want to do something off the golf course, they'll help you do that as well. Uh, and it takes all the stress off driving. You know, driving over there, you're driving on the other side of the road. The roads are small. Um, you're trying to follow the GPS. You know, it's it, it, you're, and then you have to worry about whether you have a drink or two because, you know, you can't have any drinks over there in your body while you're driving. Um, you know, all of that, taking that stress off the trip, um, but also – you know, like I said, they act as your guide, so you don't have to worry about anything. You're right. You hop on the bus. If you're a bit tired, catch it. Catch it a few Z's, right? Um, if you know, we always load up the bus with some sandwiches and snacks and drinks and and a deck of cards. And you know, even if you have a trip that has a lot of driving involved, and some of these destinations do. If you go to the southwest of Ireland, you might be driving an hour and a half or two hours to the golf course each day. Uh, but the time flies by so quickly when you have a driver because you're just sitting there going over your round with the guys, having a drink, you know, playing some cards. Uh, and it really does, uh, it, it really does fly by. So to me, there's just no, no other way to do it. Um, and the other thing to take into consideration these days is that rental vehicles, the price of rental vehicles has just gone through the roof. Um, and so we used to always say that, you know, if you had eight people on a trip, it might be still more expensive to get a coach and driver than two vans. Um, but it's still worthwhile. But well, nowadays it's even cheaper than getting two vans. So, um, in some cases. So anyway, it's it's just definitely the way to go, as you well know. Uh, you know, I was just going to go there too, and you know, you can take. It, let's say you're playing around to golf, and after you're debriefing, you're talking about your your great up and down on the eleventh hole, or making bets for the next day, that sort of thing over over a snack or perhaps an adult beverage too. It's uh, it really does enhance the experience. And like you, you mentioned too, they're tour guides. They're you know they can point things out that you definitely wouldn't know if you hadn't been to that location before. So exactly. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, Teach. and not only that, one thing I, I didn't mention. So that, you know, they're also troubleshooters, you know, and, and sometimes, yep. you know, if, if uh, we had a group of, a few years ago where um, uh, somebody left a golf club at the previous golf course uh, and, and we're like, well, how are we going to get that? We're now two hours down the road and we're not going back there. Um, well, you know, we got in touch with the driver and the driver said, oh, I know another driver that has another group up there and he's coming back down this way. I'll see if he can grab the club. And, you know, they just have ways to get things done. So sure enough, that driver picked up the club 
brought it down to, to the group and, and, and he had his club back. So, you know, if, you know, while you're on the golf course, you don't have to worry about those things because he's going to, uh, he's going to look after that for you. Yeah, totally. We're talking travel here with TJ Rule from Golf Away Tours. Now, TJ, we mentioned off the top about planning. And really, if you want to plan a big golf trip, you know, 18, 24 months, that sort of thing. But let's just say, you know, you're listening to this right now and you think, hey, I, I want to go somewhere in 2023. Are there still locations in the UK where you can pick up the phone, call you guys, send you guys a note and say, you know, help me plan a trip somewhere later in 2023? Yeah, there still are, and um, that's where we're trying to push people nowadays when they're, when they're calling and saying, we still want to go somewhere, you know, where can we go? And we're, we're pushing these areas of uh, of Ireland and Scotland and, and, and the U.K. Uh, that I really love, and we try to push more people there um, in the past, but everybody wants to tick off those top courses, which I totally understand, especially if you're going over there for the first time. You know, you want to hit those courses that are ranked highly and that host the Opens and, and so on. But, um, you know, the area that I always push uh, when it comes to this and, and talking about uh, areas that have availability for this year is the northwest of Ireland. Um, I was there last fall with a group, and uh, uh, we, we had such an unbelievable time. It's such a um, – it's more authentic Irish in a way. It's not as touristy. You're not, it's not as busy. You're in these small towns. You're going to, like, these great pubs and, and you know, listening to live music – but also playing some unbelievable golf courses. Uh, there's a course, uh, well, Ballyliffin, for example, is hosted the Irish Open. You've got a new course at Ross Penna designed by Tom Doak, which is now one of the top-ranked mm-hmm. courses in Ireland. You've got incredibly wild and rugged courses like Carn and Enniscrone over on the West Coast. You've got what's my favorite hotel in Ireland, uh, Mount Falcon Estate, which is just outside of a little town called Ballina, uh, an incredible place to stay and with some, with some great golf around there. And, and not only is there still availability, but also the value is there in those areas with, um, you know, with the green fees not being quite as much as the Royal Port Rush and Royal County Downs of the world. Um, it's, it's just an incredible place to visit. Uh, we are booking more groups there now, but it, it's just an area that I've always pushed. And, uh, and, and we'll continue to push. And so that's something that you can still look at for 2023 in Ireland. And then when you're talking about uh, places, other places in the UK, uh, you know, in Scotland, a lot of the top courses are sold out for this year. But, you know, there's some cool areas off the beaten path, like the, the Scottish Hebrides out in the west, the islands, right, where you've got Macrahanish, Macrahanish Dunes and Macri and these courses that are a little bit harder to get to. Uh, and not as popular, but because of that, there's availability. Um, and those are great areas to visit. Another awesome spot, which I visited a couple of years ago, is Wales. Um, there's so many great golf courses in Wales, great links golf courses, particularly along the south coast, but also up as you drive to the north into the Snowden Mountain areas. Um, Wales is, is a very, uh, you know, a great value as well, right? Uh, it, it, it does, it, it doesn't cost nearly as much as some of the courses in, in England and, and Scotland and Ireland, uh, but you've got some incredible links golf experiences there. So those are the areas that are still available for this year uh, that I can think of, and uh, uh, hopefully we can send more people there this, this year. Yeah, and you know another area or destination that is very popular right now too, both Portugal and Spain. Now we went to Spain. This is November 2021 together, uh, TJ for a, a Golf Talk Canada special there, and they are hosting the Solheim Cup later this year at Finca Cortesine. Of course, it's most 
probably known golf-wise for Valderrama. Let's say, you know, someone hasn't been to Spain or Portugal before. What can they expect going over to play? Not only play some great golf in Portugal and Spain, but also enjoy things off the golf course like food and drink as well. Well, hopefully they would have listened to your special on Spain after you came back, right? Yes. Everybody knows a little bit about it, but we had an incredible time there. And as you well know, um, that area is is great for a lot of things. It's got some incredible golf, as you said. I'll, I'll talk Spain first, and then and then hop on to Portugal. But uh, in Spain, in particular, you know, you've got Valderrama, obviously hosted the Ryder Cup. It's hosted a bunch of DP World Tour events. Of course, it's going to host the Live event, Live Tour this year. Um, and you know, and then Pinca Cortesan hosting the hosting the the, the uh, sorry the Solheim Cup this year, and they've hosted the World Match Play before as well. And so. Um, you know, the area will get a lot of exposure that way as well this coming September. Um, but beyond those two courses, there's so many other courses there, and they're all in a, in a very concentrated area. So the great thing about that area is there's not a whole heck of a lot of driving to be done. So if you're going to the U.K. and you're having to drive around to tick off all the courses, you may have to be in the bus, like I said before, for a little while every day. But in the south of Spain, you know, you stay in one hotel the whole week, you can move to a different hotel if you want a different experience outside of the town as opposed to on the beach and, and so on. But you can just stay in one hotel the whole time. So you're not moving, you're, you're not unpacking and packing and checking out and checking in, which to me is a big advantage to, to this area and some other areas that we sell. Um, and, and then the, the golf is, is so good. Um, so you've got probably, you could play 10 or 12 great world-class golf courses within a 45-minute drive of your hotel. And then beyond the golf, obviously, there's so much to see off the course, right? Um, you know, this great cuisine experiences, great wine experiences, some, you know, walking tours. We did a walking tour of the town of Marbella when we were there. Oh, which yeah. A lot of the guys just loved, right? And, and of course, then you follow up the tour with going for a nice for a nice meal in the town and, you know, a very authentic Spanish tapas meal and, and some great Spanish wine. And, uh, you know, all of that you know adds to the to the experience right it's not just a golf trip it's a, it's a trip that involves golf obviously but it involves so many other things that's the reason i really love spain and, and portugal you know is very similar in a lot of ways um but in some ways a little bit better and, and the reason i'd say that is one it's usually a little bit less expensive um You've got also direct flights, in particular from Toronto. We're talking, obviously, uh, you know, for people traveling from southern Ontario. But you've got direct flights to Lisbon, uh, as opposed to Malaga in Spain, where you have to connect. But, um, you know, Ron from our office is over in Portugal right now with a group. Uh, and so you can go at this time of year as early as, you know, February, March in the year and uh, and get some good golf weather and all the way through to November, December when we went uh, and still get really good weather and um, and usually quite a bit of sunshine. So Portugal itself is a little bit more driving generally because the, the areas, the golf areas are a little bit further apart. So you, most people want to spend a bit of time down in the Algarve, for example, and then also some time up in Lisbon. So you might be in two hotels or maybe even three hotels during a golf trip. But, um, you know, again, the golf is very good. There's, a, there's a, some new courses opening up there, which is great. There's a new David McClay Kid course, um, who, uh, of course, designed the first course at Bandon and some other great courses around the world. He's opening up a course just south of Lisbon this year, later this year, called Comporta Dunes, which is going to be one of the top courses in uh, in that part of the world. So there's so much to see. I always love to say there's not just golf, but it's food, wine, sun. It's, it, there's lots of reasons to go to Spain and Portugal. 
And certainly are, uh, you know, TJ, we're out of time now, but thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'll have you on again later in the year because we have to talk about Apple Air Tags, things you need to make sure you have while you're traveling. Make sure your clubs don't get lost. We'll have you on again very soon. TJ, thanks for your time today. That sounds good, Phil. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. That's, that's TJ Rule from Golf Away Tours. On the other side, we'll wrap up today's show. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up today's edition of GTC, thanks to Kristen Murphy, Mark Sacchino, Sean Foley, and TJ Rule, all for joining us today. We are back Wednesday at 10 a.m. on TSN 1050 for our Players' Championship preview show. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.